Hello and welcome to The Outer View on RTE Radio 1 Extra, meditations on content and creativity and a series of conversations dissecting the art of interviewing, media and storytelling, hosted by myself, Alan Swan. I talk to writers, producers and broadcasters, hearing their techniques, their influences and their stories. On today's show, I speak to Keith Ferrazzi, who is the New York Times bestselling author of Never Eat Alone and also the book called Who's Got Your Back. I spoke to him over a year ago when he was in Dublin for the Pendulum Summit. In this edition of the show, we talk about how to collaborate more, how to approach people for content and projects you're working on, and how fear can stop you achieving your goals. The Outer View on RT Radio 1 Extra. Even though we are so connected as a world, there's probably never been a more important time to build relationships because it seems to me that even though we're so connected, we've never been so far apart in certain things. Sociologically, in the last 20 years, we have become increasingly connected, but all of the sociological data shows that we are less relational than ever before. And I mean, I can take you into the science a little bit if you care to, but we, um, we're a research institute for human behavior change in the workplace. That's what we do for a living. And we study um, sociological trends associated with the relational and collaborative competencies of organizations and organizational success. Yeah. And, and, and the bottom line is we are walking, well, and, and I'll skip ahead, we're, but we're behavioral scientists. We're behavioral scientists because at the end of the day, societal trends are just the aggregation of behaviors. And the question is, how do you change those behaviors to be more effective? And we do something that we call help, helping crowds uh, relax into gravity. Now, it sounds a little strange or complex, but I'll explain it. We are naturally, as humans, hardwired to be tribal, to be interconnected, to be collaborative. If when we were born as a species, um, if, we, if we weren't interconnected, collaborative, and tribal, we would die. We would be eaten by something. And I have to say that uh, very few cults, and I'm, I'm, I'm an Italian citizen as, as well as an American citizen, and very similar to the Italian culture, the, the Irish are uh, deeply, deeply uh, relational. Mm. And it, but it's not true in America as much as it is in many other cultures. America is, is more transactional uh, from a business perspective than most cultures. Um, and the... What I try to do at Pendulum and what I try to do and what we, we uh, try to achieve in our, in our organizational support is helping organizations relax into who our nature is. Our nature is collaborative. Our nature is interdependent. Our nature is relational. And we have stepped up today and we are walking around too often as tribes of one and we're trying to get people to see the us that's sitting around us every day. Now, I do that in organizations and things like the transformation of General Motors and, um, and large companies like Dun & Bradstreet and uh, Verizon and others, BASF. But in an audience like the Pendulum Summit, I want people to look around that room and begin to feel in us after my talk. And that gives them the practice of the behavior of us so that, you know, 
I hope that I had something to do with the with the spawn of the wedding the night after the talk. <laughs> Absolutely, that connectedness. That's that's my that's 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 my job. My job is to show up and to help create us at this conference. Because what I like about you, Keith, and your style is that you're very, very practical. And and when you talk about building deeper relationships, you have a thing called high return practices, small incremental moves to getting to where you need to get to. Because I think some people go to a conference like this, they think it's a quick fix. They think that's just going to be, you're going to get a blast and then you're just going to be a complete 360 and everything's going to be okay. It is small steps that make a big move in the end. Yeah, uh, there's a great saying that you don't um, you don't think your way into a new way of acting. You act your way into a new way of thinking, and those actions are practices. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's mindsets which most when most companies talk about culture, they're really talking. They talk too vaguely. They talk too conceptually. They talk at the mindset level. And I'm not suggesting that values aren't critical. They are. But values don't mean anything until they're translated into practice. It's who we are, it's, who, it's how we behave that, that ultimately translates into culture. And so high return practices, the question is, if you're going to change a culture, you change behaviors, and to change a behavior, you have to start practicing that behavior. How you practice a behavior is what we focus on. And it's very difficult to change anything. So it's because it's so difficult, we only want to focus on the, on the high return practices because getting trying to be a change unilaterally is impossible. Mm. So if I can get people to change the fewest people changing the fewest practices that will yield the lift we're looking for, then that's great. And that's one of the things I try to do in my talk. Um, when you started off on your career, Keith, do, you know, I was thinking about this today when I was when I was going to interview, and I was thinking, what would the twenty year old Keith um, say to the Keith that's on on the line now? Do you look back on, on where you came from uh, to where you are now? Do you do you reflect a lot? Um, well, a lot. I just I'm actually leaving. Um, I'm leaving my my men's spirituality group uh, right now. I, from seven thirty to eight thirty every morning, I I sit with a group of men who have all committed to living their lives every day, trying to go higher in our values and how, how our values translate into practices. And um, my share this morning was uh, really just that. It was a reflective share on when I started this particular subject. I, I started with this group of men about uh, five years ago. And um, I look back and, and I, and, and not with, not with disrespect for myself um, or shame, but just with with amusement, cringing at some of the things that that twenty year old. I mean, I have so much compassion for that twenty year old, um, and frankly, I have so much compassion for you know that that impetuous kid that showed up yesterday inappropriately. You know, I mean, we all do. We're just human. Um, and you know, my only problem is to feel as much compassion for other people as I feel for my own stupidity. Um, and that's my particular cross to bear, but, uh, yeah, I do a lot of reflection and that's, that's so critical, but it's important that reflection is useless, useless, useless. If it doesn't, um, if it doesn't get turned into corrective action, 
And look, and you don't, you can't, can't turn around uniformly, and you'll probably never turn around totally. Um, and and you certainly don't do it instantly. But if you can water drip the transformation to become the man or woman that you want to show up, then that's our journey, right? That's why God put us on this planet. Um, I believe, you know, God put us on this planet from the very beginning to maximize the value that we have to offer. And anything that stands in our way of maximizing that value is the work. And it's hard work. It's very hard work, particularly if you're as, you know, insecure and uh, um, you know, coming from the detriment that I'm coming from of, of, of that 20-year-old self now. Which I'm working, you know, I work on every day. A lot of people that will be attending Pendulum, um, there's one word that I think that you know, the people that will go to a conference like Pendulum that want to improve themselves, that want to transform their lives, transform their workplaces. Yeah. Um, fear is a big thing, and I think the first step for if if people are listening to this and they're considering going to Pendulum, well, I suppose that's the first step to go to it in the first place. But fear can be an awful debilitating thing to stop you from advancing to making change in your life you know how do you deal with that keith like do you have instances where you know that you've dealt with failure or frustrating days well there's two ways i mean fear is such a big word it's a big concept um and you know and, and it can be fully castrating if you want to approach it that way um the the first thing i'd say is recognize that the failure to relate to others. Well, let me let me start backwards. Number one, we re, we all have goals and dreams. Let's start there. Um, now, the goals and dreams that we have to achieve them, I think we all could come to the recognition that achieving our goals and dreams are going to be tied to our relationships. Everything you want, hope, dream, want to aspire, has to do with other people. Um, you know. Andrea, who's on the call with us, runs our instructional design and intellectual property. For her to achieve her personal goals and dreams in life, there's a bunch of people she'll have to engage with in a fluid and effective way. And that could be about love. That could be about work. It could be about finances. And even in the microcosm of just achieving what she's trying to achieve at Ferrazzi Greenlight, her path to achieving that have to do with relationships, some of which are challenging for all of us, right? I mean, any relationships we have could be challenging. And what we've got to recognize for all of us, and any dreams anybody has in this line, is that the abdication of progressing with those relationships to achieve our dreams, the abdication of it is really the relaxing of the mediocrity. If you want to be mediocre in your life, go for it. Hold grudges, you know, um, be fearful. So the, just the basic reality, I mean, it's, it, it's a truism that if you abdicate to fear, if you abdicate to your fantasies of who people are, if you abdicate to, um, uh, to, to, the, to the history that you've had, period, or with people, or what your expectations are, if you think that they're going to be challenging... That's bullshit because you don't deserve mediocrity or worse. And you've got to push through. So there's really no choice, just no choice. Now, the question is, how do you get over that fear? How do you get over that hurdle? Most people are standing on the, on the precipice of this gap 
of fear and fantasy and, and, and that they don't even want to start? Well, the answer is start really small. Just start really small because there's a momentum with success for, uh, for humans to achieve and to push through. You know, there's a wonderful um, recognition. Humans have this thing called effective forecasting mortality salient. I effectively forecast. Here I am standing on the precipice. I effectively forecasting the worst possible scenario to walk up and talk to that person, the worst possible scenario to forgive that person's past behaviors, the worst possible scenario to engage that person. I effectively forecast the worst possible scenario to the point where I say to myself, if I do that, I'm going to die. Well, no, you're not. <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen somebody in a bar when they were single saying, oh, I couldn't possibly talk to her? I die. Well, you're not going to die. And, and you've got to get yourself to the point where you do that first small step. And then it will become contagious because you're like, wow, I didn't die. Not only didn't die, but it was good. Make sure that the first small step is positive. It, it's, it's, it tastes good. Um, that old adage, you, gotta, you know, you want to try to eat an elephant, yeah, do it one little bite at a time. Mm. Okay, but make sure that that bite is tasty and make sure it's, it, it's, a, it's approachable. And because otherwise, if you try to do too much or do something that feels too constraining, you'll have a, a poor experience and you won't try. You want to come back so for more. Reason, yeah, you have to. And so the reason I'm trying to, what I will try to achieve at Pendulum is to get that entire damn room doing something in the room that will, will be a positive experience that will cascade into the breaks. There'll be a positive experience that will cascade back into the first day that they go back to the office. which will cascade into ultimately, ideally, maybe wanting to read one of my books, maybe wanting to, you know, uh, go a little bit further and bring this into their life. Yeah, I think so you're, I think you're going to have a really in, I think you're going to have a really interesting day in Dublin Keith because Irish people love to talk, but we we can be very self um self-aware of ourselves and we're kind of sometimes afraid to say things right or wrong. We love to talk and when we get talking, you can't stop us. So you could create something very special at Pendulum if you get that whole room talking, you don't know what you're going to start. I I have a question for you. I was last night. I was with the chief marketing officer of a very large corporation in the United States. Um, I had a I had a dinner party at my home, which I, I host a lot of. And one of the gentlemen was the CMO of a very large company. And he's a he's an Irish native. Um, he claimed to me because one of the things I do at my dinner party is I open people up to vulnerability. I have people share more richly and deeply than they ever would. And he said. We Irish don't like doing that. Um, and that surprised me. It surprised I mean, I, I feel like every time I'm with the Irish people, they're such a heartfelt, heartwarming people. My mother is Irish. Um, and you know, my dad's Italian. And I feel that heartfelt warmth. But what was he saying when he said that? I th do, you, do you have a sense of the culture? Yeah, I think that Irish people, by our nature, we're very good at putting a good face on. That in the depths of, say, the recession that we've just come through, we're a very we're a small country, you know, four and a half million people, um, but we've we've aspired to do great things, and we've been beaten down many a time. Um, and I think the Irish, we put on a great face, and sometimes we don't like to talk about certain things. We we kind of we we like to. Irish people like to keep things to themselves and they like to put an awful lot of weight on their shoulders, um, which I think it can be a bad thing. 
Um, but I would definitely agree with, with that person you were talking to that sometimes we don't like to we put on a great face we're very welcoming we're very passionate we'll you know if we have a guest like if we have a guest in our home or a guest in our country we'll show them the best possible time we, we possibly can as as a good host but if you want to if you're scratching the surface or you're trying to dig a little bit deeper we'll kind of go ah no it's grand sure, we're having a good bit of fun here everything's great don't be worrying we're, we're those type of people I feel um, and we could, and I think we could achieve even more if we could sometimes take a step back and not be afraid to talk about the things that are really affecting us, um, uh, and, and things that really, you know, we leave too many things unsaid. Well, um, I feel like, by the way, I don't think the Irish people are unique in their uh, unwillingness to go deep quick. That's that's a anthropological underpinning of people saying, I don't know if you're in my tribe. If you're not in my tribe, I'm not going to show you my soft underbelly mm. until I know you're in my tribe. Problem is, we mentioned earlier, the, the world is more connected, less relational. I think people are walking around in tribes of one. And those tribes of one are, you know, believing that they've got to be protected. Yeah. And so my job is to make that room realize we are in us. We are enough. I'm trying to get to us quicker. Uh, last two questions, Keith, and thank you so much for your time um, today. I know you're 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 breaking into the weekend right. now, so I'm sure you want to head off for the, for your Friday. Um, who does Keith Farazi go to? Who's your Keith? Who who's your Farazi? Who's your uh, mentor that you go to from time to time? Where you? Because no doubt you're you're a, a human being where you must have your own fears and frustrations. Do you? And I know you've just been to your group there. Do you have a, a go to mentor that you like to um that you like to talk to? So um, I so there's really three ways to answer that. First of all, the entire focus of my next book is is looking at. Uh, the world around us and realizing it's only through the people around us that we will develop and go higher. So the first person or people I go to are the people around me. And it's difficult, but don't, you know, getting to creating an us among those who you're dealing with on a daily basis, that's, that's sort of critical. And so not just my men's group where everybody is there for that purpose, but everybody around me. And it's very difficult because there's, you know, there's, there's, there's different personalities that you may or may not sync with. There's uh, different trust factors. There's fear of whether or not people respect you or not based on, you know, past experiences. And, and here you are supposed to walk out finding your mentors among your, 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 your community, um, particularly in the workplace. So that's the answer is around my peers in the workplace. Now I do have a coach, that I go to. And what I do is um, this individual meets with me on the phone every Saturday morning, but during the week he has access to my team and has access to speak to others so that he can inform his coaching of me from others perspective and not just mine. I don't, I don't really like therapy. I mean, I'm not, not suggesting it's a bad thing. I've had plenty of, opportunity to have coaches and therapists in the past to work through items with me. And I think it's very important, by the way, to, for all of us to have coaches, like the best athletes in the world have coaches. If you don't have a coach you can call them a therapist, you can call them a coach, call them whatever you want, then you're not going to be able to achieve the, be the greatest athlete in your life. So for me, he gathers information from everybody and then comes to me. 
as opposed to me just filtering with my own filter the information and giving it to him. So I find that very important, and I recommend it to everybody. Um, there's lots of programs out there of peer-to-peer support, like my men's group, that you can find. If somebody you love drinks too much, Al-Anon is a, is a great program to find that fellowship for, le- for dealing with people who are out of control in our lives. Um, Weight Watchers, for people who are struggling with that, is a good program. So there's, if there are peer programs out there that exist that you can tap into or find for yourself, and ideally you want to create that in your family and you want to create that in your executive teams. Um, Keith, last two questions. Um, uh, people who are going to Pendulum uh, by their nature are vivacious readers of, of business and self-development and, and those type of books. Apart from Never Eat Alone and Who's Got Your Back and your forthcoming book, uh, could you recommend a, a good um, book um, to our listeners who will be attending Pendulum? Um, you mean other than other than my own writing? Uh, well, of course, of, other, um, of course, than Never Eat Alone and who's, no, 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 who's no, got I your mean, back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Never Eat Alone is a book that I think everybody should love as a first uh, as a first blush. Um, you know, I I go back to the good old um, Bibles. I mean, in my space, of course, How to Win Friends and Influence People is an extraordinary book. Um, and uh, you know, the, the Malcolm Gladwell books have always been very influential for me. Um, you know, particularly the early ones like, you know, Tipping Point, uh, you know, and those principles. Um, I find that spiritual readings, to me, uh, are the offsetting of the business readings. I mean, there's so many great business books, and there's going to be great speakers there, and you'll be able to have all of them. But, um, you know, the, the great good book, to me, is not a bad book to go to every once in a while. Uh, frankly, all the stuff you're going to be hearing on that stage has probably been written about in one of the spiritual texts uh, along the way, and uh, you know, I try to I try to find a lot of inspiration there as well. My guest there, Keith Ferrazzi, on the outer view. I'm Alan Swan, and this is RT Radio One Extra.